they are dealing with it. He has stepped down and this has been made public. I cannot emphasize enough how much this doesn't ever happen. So many churches would not do this. They would try as hard as they can to appease the accusing party so that no one knows. And if everything, if anything ever did come out, they would just put him on a three-month sabbatical. Uh, they would probably just say, he's been in ministry for 20 years now. He's very tired. He's worked really hard. So he's going to go on a sabbatical. And you don't know that his life is falling apart. And the whole staff, they're all supposed to just cover for him. That's normal. This, this is good. Like this is actual accountability. And it almost never happens this way, especially in high-profile churches like this. By now, I'm sure you've heard about popular pastor Matt Chandler taking an indefinite leave of absence from his position as lead teaching and preaching pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas. This has been a shock that has happened across the kind of evangelical world this week, as no one probably would have expected this to happen, at least in this way. Uh, there's been a lot of pastors that have fallen as of late. Uh, this situation is different, and I'm gonna talk about why, uh, what those differences are, if they matter, why they matter. We're gonna go through what happened here, the, the statement that was made, we're gonna walk through it, and then I wanna talk a little bit about the reaction that I've seen on YouTube and on Twitter and just kind of in the blogosphere of people, what I believe are just kind of celebrating the demise of a pastor who has fallen, because everybody loves to do that, unfortunately, but also kind of not understanding that this is a situation in which some things in this situation were actually handled the way they're supposed to be handled. There, I, I have leveled so much criticism at churches and pastors and leadership structures that have not actually held their staff and held their pastors accountable. And here we see a situation where it seems like, from what we publicly can see, it seems like there has been some accountability and I think we just need to take a second to at least recognize and give credit where it's due. But I don't wanna get ahead of myself. Let's read through this. Let's watch through this together, and then we'll talk about it. My name's Lane. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. This is episode 70. Typically on Preaching Donkey, we talk about preaching. We talk about how to create and, and communicate messages that captivate your audience and spur them towards life change. If you wanna go further and deeper in that topic, I wanna give you something for free as a way to say thank you you for stopping by. Go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. You can pick up my free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. This is a three week, three step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver a compelling message. So whether you've been preaching for a short time and you're looking for something to help get started in your preaching, or you've been preaching for a long time and you're always maybe just looking for fresh ideas, there's something in there for you. Totally free, go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days to pick it up there. All right, let's check out the statement. This was made on Sunday, uh, August 28th, 2022. This is Josh Patterson. He and Matt are both lead pastors at The Village. Here's what he has to say. As one of your pastors, is that this has been and will remain a place where it's okay to not be okay. And the follow-up to that is we just don't want to stay there. It is okay to not be okay. We just don't want to stay there. And for us to be a welcoming home, it has to be a safe place for you. 
It has to be a safe place for our community. It has to be a safe place for all of us, including the leaders of this church. I like what he says here, and I like what he's getting at. This idea that as a church, they have their kind of overarching ideal is that they're a place where it's okay to not be okay, but you don't need to stay there. So the trajectory is towards life change has been a big part of the village church for a long time. Um, but I love how he says this means, if this is true, we have to make this a safe place for you, the congregants, for us, the pastors, for the community as a whole. I think the reason why I like this language is that what he's, and we already know kind of how this ends, but what he's getting at, and I do appreciate it, is that sometimes we think about uh, churches being, uh, maybe churches not being a safe space if there's, if there's a scandal, not a safe space for the people who attend there, maybe not a safe space for the people who would attend there, but we don't often think about being a safe space, safe space for the people who are actually on staff with that particular leader. In a lot of cases in churches like this, you would never have the ability as a fellow staff member to approach the lead pastor and say, hey, I think you're out of line here. I think you're messing up. I think this is gonna hurt the church you become kind of cast away. We've seen that again and again and again, where if you're on staff and your livelihood depends on that place and you challenge the leader, um, things can go very badly for you. So I like the fact that he's kind of coming out with, look, this has to be safe for everybody, which means nobody is above this. Nobody's above accountability. It's gotta be a safe place for me. It's got to be a safe place for other pastors and leaders and staff members. And so as we wade into what we're wading into this morning, I pray that the aroma of this room is the grace of Jesus Christ. He has been gracious to us, and let's ask him to be present and with us in our time together. Father, I do come before you. And I know, Lord, that that is somewhat of a startling... This is something the Village Church does. They pray, like, eyes wide open, looking at the congregation. And I pray that hearts would be ready to receive and hear. I guess it's... I think it's like one of Matt's things that he brought on. And, Lord, I do ask even right now that the power of your Spirit would begin working comfort, nearness, protection, care, ask that you would be with us and among us today and in the days to come. We pray and we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey guys. It, I know it, it just feels like, oh my gosh, what's coming? So, so let me, I'm, I'm the lead pastor of this church. I plan on being the lead pastor of this church for the next 20 years. Um, but I do need to It's harder seeing you. Um, I want to I want to mention something really quick. One, this hits close to home because I like Matt Chandler. Um, always have, always have really respected him. I don't agree with every single thing he's ever said. I don't agree with every bit of his theology. So don't don't blow me up for that. But just as as a as a pastor, as a leader, as a thought leader, he he's he's been 
a, a consistent voice in the church for a long time, and I've always appreciated him. And he um, he 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 used to talk about his forty years at the village. You know, I'm going to be here for forty years, and he's coming up on twenty. He got there in November of two thousand two, so he's about to celebrate his twenty year anniversary there at the church. Um, he'll be on leave, which is you know unfortunate, but. Um, another 20 years would, would give him that 40 years that he was, was talking about. He's stuck with it. And, um, you know, some people, some guys that fall in this kind of way, you look at them and you go, oh, I would have expected this. The guy's a jerk, you know, um, or, uh, yeah, I get it. I, I could see this happening uh, with Matt. It's, it's, it just hits different. Uh, I, I guess I'm just showing that i I, I have, I have, I, I like him. Um, and I don't always like these people. Sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like these guys. Um, because I just, I just kind of know how they probably treat their staff. Um, and I never celebrate that they fall, but I just, I'm usually not surprised in this situation. Uh, it just hits closer to home. Several months ago, um, a woman approached me, um, outside here in the foyer. Um, she had some concerns for how I was DMing on Instagram with a friend of hers. Um, I, I didn't think I had done anything wrong in that. My wife knew that. Her husband knew that. Um, and, and yet there were a couple of things that she said that were disorienting to me. All right. So just to kind of summarize where, you know, where we've been at this point. So woman comes up to him after a service, uh, says... Hey, um, I think it's inappropriate how you have been do sending direct messages with my friend, who we find out is another woman. So Matt is direct messaging another woman. And from what he says here, his wife was aware that this was happening. And that woman's husband was aware that this was happening. We don't know the extent to which they were aware. We don't know if they were reading the DMs. We just knew that he didn't think anything was inappropriate about it and his wife knew and her husband knew. So that's what, that's what we've been told so far. This has led some people to kind of speculate there, there must be more to it. We're gonna get some of those questions answered as we go through there and then we'll, we'll talk about the response that has happened. Um, and so I immediately um, came into the room, I found Chairman of the Elder Board, Jason Swords, found Josh Patterson, other lead pastor, and said, this is what this person just told me. Uh, and then I went home Lauren wasn't with me that night. I told Lauren, this is what was said to me um, tonight. Okay. Couple things I want to also mention here. Um, and by the way, I'm not defending Matt or not defending Matt. I, I'm just trying to, I, part of the reason why it took me so many days to come out with this video, I heard about this right when it happened. Saw the headline on Sunday night. And I was going to do a video about it on Monday, the next day, but the more that people kept talking, the more the more just kind of frustrated I became because there was so much speculation about, well, we don't know what's going on. They're probably not telling us the whole story. And from from what we're seeing right here, a woman comes up to him, brings something to his attention, and immediately he tells three people who are the most important people in this situation for him to tell, okay? He tells his wife, that's huge. He tells the chairman of the elders, that's huge. And he tells the other lead pastor at his church, that's huge. So now all three of these people who are all in a position to do something about this 
all know about it. So it's out in the open. He's 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 said what's happened. Then later he goes on to completely submit to the process of getting just a forensic study of his text messages and his Instagram messages and all that. So for those coming out just kind of gloating, oh my gosh, isn't this amazing? Uh, this this guy's in scandal, isn't he terrible? Well, I'm not defending his actions, okay? We'll get into what he what he did and how he admits that it was unwise and it represents some unhealth that he shouldn't have been so chummy with this with this girl, this woman. But when it was brought to his attention, he could have hit it. He could have went to the other woman and said, oh my gosh, what are you, what are you saying? He could have done all kinds of things. But he actually put it out in the open. And just seeing no acknowledgement of that in the things that I've been reading, in the tweets I've been reading, in the TikToks that I've been seeing where people are just so happy that, that Matt has fallen because either they don't like his theology or they don't like, like his, his social stance or they don't like this or don't like that or they're just glad to see a pastor fall because they hate the, the church in general. I don't think that's fair. It's, it's dishonest. Be honest about your criticism. If, if, you, if you really want something to change in the church, if you really want the church leaders to be held more accountable, then at least acknowledge that some things were done well. Yes, he did, he got into some stuff that was unwise, and he's going to pay for that. He's, I mean, he's he's going to have to step down. This is forever going to taint his reputation, um, and and he he's going to have to walk through that. But at least acknowledge that he's done he's done some things right here. Um, from there, uh, the elders began to look into because that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, because we cannot be a church where anyone. Uh, is above the scriptures and above the high heavenly call uh, into Christ Jesus. And so they looked into um, the, the conversation between me and um, this other woman, uh, and they had some concerns. Um, and those concerns were not that our messaging was romantic or sexual. It, it was that our conversations were unguarded and unwise. And because I don't ever want there to be secrets between us. Okay, let's, let's dive into a couple things here. Number one, the first thing he says is that the elders actually did what they're supposed to do and look into it. He says later that they could have made this nothing. I have seen, I have seen so many times where much worse has happened, much worse. And the elders immediately go into damage control. Right? How do we shut this down? How do we make this nothing? How do we make sure that if this ever gets public, we spin it to the point where nobody can see straight? And instead, they actually looked into it. Later, we're going to find out that they hired a, a law firm to help them look th through it. And all of that happened, even though he's their bread and butter. I mean, he, he is the face and the brand of the whole business. And so if he goes down, that could jeopardize the entire thing, right? And that's the criticism of a lot of megachurches that they all kind of rest on one man. And I think there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of problems there. Um, but they could have easily said, this is a big nothing burger or we'll deal with this privately, whatever. And yet they, they're willing to look into it and willing to make him step down uh, at least, you know, in an indefinite way. He'll be back uh, supposedly, but they could have looked. They could have overlooked this. Now, the second thing you mentioned is that there was nothing sexual and nothing romantic. So, a lot of people have been saying, 
Well, if there was nothing sexual and nothing romantic, and it was just that he was friends with this woman and they would, you know, private message on DM and there was uh, the frequency he said was the issue. So they're messaging a lot and the familiarity was an issue, which means they were kind of um, familiar, right? They, they maybe had, maybe they had inside jokes. Maybe they just knew a little bit too much about each other. I, I don't know how that, and let me, let me try to think about what I'm saying here. So a lot of people will look at this and I've seen this all over the place. On one hand, you'll have people saying, well, isn't this so typical of church and evangelicalism where men and women can't be friends? There's, they can't be platonic friends. Uh, they can't even text each other. Isn't that toxic? Because that's kind of old school thinking. It's like the, the, the Billy Graham rule, you know, don't, don't be alone in an elevator with a woman. Um, isn't that isn't that terrible? On the other side, people will say, "Well, I I think it's unwise for a married man to direct message privately with another woman when there there could be something that forms there, even if right now it's platonic, nothing romantic, nothing sexual, because it's a it's a friendship. It could go in that direction, and I definitely I can see both sides of this. I will tell you in my life, one of the things that I do, and I don't, I don't lay this out. I don't prescribe this for other people. I don't say you have to do this. It's just something that my wife and I do. Typically with few exceptions, we don't text privately with people of the opposite sex, at least not ongoing, like ongoing kind of chats. I typically will loop someone else in with it. Like I'll loop my wife in with it. So now there's three of us talking or I'll loop another, you know, kind of uh, person who's, who's party to it in there. So it's not just me and one other person who's having these conversations. Now, some people will say, that's ridiculous. Why do you do that? And to that, I say, it's, it's, my, it's my life. I don't do that because it's a policy. I don't do that because I have to. I do that to just make sure that I am staying completely above board. I've just seen way, way, way too many things go wrong when you get very familiar and very chummy with someone of the opposite sex and, and when you're married to someone else of the opposite sex. So not saying that I'm prescribing that for everybody in the whole world, just saying that I can understand, especially when you look at the fact that he is a pastor. And so there's all kinds of, there's the need to be above reproach in terms of, rep, uh, of his reputation. There is a power dynamic at play, right? So some people will emphasize the biblical qualifications, right? First Timothy, Titus, that will talk about being above reproach as a, as a pastor. Some people will talk about James 3, and they'll say uh, those who teach are going to be judged more harshly. And that all is true. And I think what the elders probably looked at, they said, some of the things, some of the nature of those conversations was unbefitting is what he said, or unbecoming of a person in his position. Um, and also it, it gives a, a reason to believe or to suspect that he's not living above reproach. That's kind of the biblical side. The maybe non-biblical or, or just kind of maybe the other side that still levels the criticism is going to say something about power dynamics, right? That because his position as a lead pastor, he's got lots of power in this situation. He's leading this massive church of 10,000 people. He's a big, well-known celebrity, you know, Christian celebrity. And so anybody that he's talking to, any, especially any woman that he's talking to, the power dynamic is so shifted in his favor that he has to be incredibly careful how he 
handles himself in those situations because um, he's got so much more power than they do. Both are right, right? They're just coming at it from different from different angles. These people over here are saying it's unwise because of what's prescribed biblically. These people are saying it's unethical because of the power dynamic. They're both right. They're just looking at it from different angles. The concerns were really about frequency and familiarity. We believe in brother-sister relationships here. Um, and yet there was a frequency that moved past that. And there was a familiarity that played itself out in coarse and foolish joking. It's unbefitting. Uh, of someone in my position as a lead pastor. All right, so uh, frequency went past brother-sister relationship. So the brother-sister thing is kind of like a way of saying, uh, we, we, we respect each other like you would a sister, like you would a brother, right? So I'm guessing the familiarity, the frequency kind of went past that, meaning that, you know, you wouldn't be calling your sister every day. I mean, I have a sister. I don't call her every day. I don't even call her every week. Uh, maybe I should, maybe I should stay more in touch. But the point is like, it's just a friendship that maybe has gone past just uh, what, what, how you would treat a family member. So there's some frequency there that's kind of um, like, uh, could be problematic. Familiarity, so he brings up coarse and foolish joking. What does that mean? We don't know. And that's, that's a big part of the speculation here. Does that mean he was just sending memes that were inappropriate? If, if nothing was sexual and nothing was romantic, were the jokes racial? Were, were they just, uh, was it bathroom humor? I mean, we're, we're, we're only left with a few options. Was he saying cuss words? We, we don't know. Um, and that's where a lot of people jump in with speculation of, we are not being told the whole story. It's gotta be way worse than, than what, we're, what we're being told. And maybe they're right. My, sus my suspicion is that the, the ch what we see as we kind of walk through this more is I really believe that we're being told basically the whole story without being shown the actual memes that if they say there's nothing sexual and they say there's nothing romantic, um, at, at this point, they're making him step down. I think if there was something sexual or was something romantic, they would probably say it. You may disagree. Let me know in the comments what you think. But I'm guessing it's probably just things that they dug through those DMs and they said, this is our pastor. He's really high profile. Should he be sending these inappropriate memes? Is you know, It might be funny in a private setting, but if this went public, we would all be, we'd all be in trouble. This is just un, unguarded and unwise. Now, if that's the test, okay, uh, the, the types of jokes and memes you send in private text messages, whether to men or women, I just don't know anybody who would pass that test. I, I think it's a really sobering thing for all of us to think about, especially if you're in some kind of position of leadership in ministry or otherwise, that if somebody dug through your private text messages and they became public, the jokes between you and your friends, the jokes between me and my friends, uh, would I want everybody in the whole world seeing those? <laughs> no, uh, and it's not because I, I'm just going crazy being uh, inappropriate. It's just that when you have very close friends, there's just things that you, you inside jokes and things that you can joke about and talk about that aren't meant to be public. And I think they're probably looking at this and they're saying, okay, it's a woman, you're frequently messaging her. There's a lot of familiarity. She knows you, you know her, and you're trusting her and she's trusting you with things that could really, really, really be bad if they were public. So let's go ahead and get this out in the open, deal with it so that you can um, move past this and you can, um, you know, be restored to ministry. So I think what they're doing on, on one hand, when I first heard about this, I thought, 
gosh, if, if this is just that he's just too good of friends with a woman, um, but there's nothing sexual, nothing romantic, and they can prove that, his wife knew about it, her husband knew about it, everybody was fine. Like, is it is it overkill to take down the pastor of the village church and the president of Acts 29 over some platonic text messages that were a little too frequent? Like, those were the thoughts that were going through my mind. But I just have to think, like, if the issue is that there was some coarse joking and some foolish joking that would lead him down a bad path or be bad if it came out, then it does make sense to me that they're dealing with it. And as an elder, I'm held to a higher standard and fell short of that higher standard. Um, so, so the elder- So I like the way he said that. As an elder, I'm held to a higher standard and I fell short of the higher standard. So many people are coming at this saying, what, are we just not supposed to ever be friends or text someone of the opposite sex? No, nobody's saying that. Nobody's, you do what you wanna do. You, you, you make the decision for what you think is wise for you. There's no, there's no Bible verse that says thou shalt not text uh, someone of the opposite sex. So you deal with that how you want to deal with it. And, and you be wise in the way that you think it's prudent and wise for your family. What he is saying is that as an elder, he's held to a higher standard. His elders have decided that he has fallen short of that standard. That's what's being said here. Elders have decided, and I think they're right, that my inability to see what I was in uh, probably has some revealing some unhealth in me. And I don't know if that's tied to the pace I run or uh, the difficulty of the last six, seven years. But All right, some people have criticized this as well, like it's a deflection, um, kind of garnering sympathy. I've had a bad six years. I run a hard pace. Therefore, um, you know, I was unable to see that this was inappropriate. Again, you know, he's not, he's not up there reading a script. He, he, it seems like he's, he's sharing from his heart. They've made this decision and he's trying to express like the fact that he didn't see that this was inappropriate or he let it get to the place where it was inappropriate and he didn't acknowledge that. Why is that? Well, it might be this reason or that reason. I think people are being a little harsh if they jump straight to, well, see, he's trying to put it off on on the fact that he's had a hard seven years and make us empathize with him. I don't know. I don't think it's that. I think it's just, I think it's just being upfront about this is, this is where I'm coming from. But I agree with them. Um, and so in their grace to me and my family, um, they've decided, and again, I think they're right, um, to put me on a leave of absence, um, uh, starting uh, immediately from preaching and teaching at um, the village church. If I'm on, I'm just really embarrassed. Feel stupid. Thank you. Feel dumb. Feel like I'm embarrassing my wife and kids. Putting a ton of pressure on our staff. Feel like I've fallen short for you. And you might even be hearing, you might even be a Christian, you might be hearing me saying this like, what the H? But the word of God holds me to a certain standard. And, and I, need to, I need to live into that. And, and I fell short. And man, I'm, I'm apologizing to my family, to you, to all involved in this situation. And um, I, some things I love, I love. Okay, first of all, um, I feel like, you know, some people say, oh, you know, he's, he's performative, he can muster up the tears. I don't know, I, I don't see that. I see that as being a sincere moment where he's just like, look, Put yourself in this situation, right? 
You've been pastoring this church for almost 20 years. It's very large, high profile. So far, you have kept you have kept it uh, you've kept it clean. You got a good accountability structure. This happens, you realize, oh crap, I really messed up. Now I'm going to have to go publicly face everybody. And it is embarrassing, and he probably does feel stupid. And I think the people who who look at this and just gloat in it, I just don't understand it. I don't understand the the desire to just um, see see a uh, just to see someone in shame. I, I don't I don't get it. I do like what he says here that the elders could have just ignored this and made it nothing, but they chose they chose to do something about it. Love that our elders engaged at the level they did. You know how easy this would have been to make it nothing and just let me not address whatever this is? Super grateful that the elders have loved us and walked with us the way that they have. Um, Super grateful for you. I'm super hopeful for what's to come in the future. But but I need to breathe. Uh, And that's both discipline, both discipline and development. Um, And so, man, in time, Forgive me. I love you. Eager for the other side of this, whatever God has for us. And so let me pray for us, uh, and then Josh will step in and uh, lead us in the service. Father, I love these people. Thank you. Forgiven them to me and me to them. I thank you that the whole ethos of this family is that you take crappy things and you turn them beautiful in time. Bless them in the name of Jesus. I just pray if there's any kind of church hurt or I knew it or God that you would minister to that place. Pray if there be anybody in here who has their own embarrassment stupid thing that they would fling themselves on your mercy praise you that your grace is sufficient for all things it's for your beautiful name i pray amen amen all right now josh is going to come up and and give his um give the official statement and then i'm going to give my thoughts and we'll turn it over to you yeah, in the we comments. do we love him This is the day that the Lord has made, and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Um, I realize that is uh, disorienting news. It's hard, it's heavy, uh, it's shocking, and really depending on who you are and how you came in and your story and your background and all types of different things, it lands on you specifically in a very personal way as it lands on us generally in a very corporate way. And so I just want to pause to recognize that and tell you that that's okay and that's absolutely normal. Uh, This has been a weighty thing. Uh, It's been a hard thing. And I pray that the Lord would minister to you as he has to me and to so many of us uh, in this season and in the season to come. What I'm going to try and do now is just come behind what Matt said and offer uh, some further clarity. Because regardless of how that hit you, I trust that clarity is helpful. Uh, And so I'm gonna read some things here. I'm gonna try and pace it in such a way uh, that we can hear it. 
The first thing that I want to do is I do want to thank the individual who brought this to Matt. That's no small thing. It took a ton of courage. It took a ton of conviction. And the way that this person handled that and the fact that this person came forward and had that discussion is really meaningful and really significant. And we're all really grateful. Yeah, so I like this. I, this this is another really good move. A lot of times you never hear the other side. So the person who brought this to Matt was not the woman that he was texting with. It was a friend of that woman. So she brought this to Matt. That took a lot of courage. And for them to publicly uh, thank her and acknowledge that, I think is really, really good. For it. And so I do want to say thank you. The concerns were about Matt's use of social media of one-on-one -on -one communication with a woman who was not his wife. As Matt said, he immediately brought those concerns to Jason Swords, who's the chairman of our elder board, and to me immediately that same night, went home and shared it with Lauren. You need to know this, that Matt has wholeheartedly been submissive to the elders as overseers. That's significant. That's important for you to know. He's never denied or resisted there's been times of confusion, a time when we needed to press in to clarity. And so what we did in this is we commissioned an outside independent review of his messages. This was conducted by an independent law firm. Matt provided full access to his cell phone, emails, and all technological platforms. He fully cooperated. It's also important for you to know what the report found and what it did not find. The investigator's report led the elders to conclude that Matt did indeed violate our internal social media use policies, and more importantly than that, while the overarching pattern of his life is one of being above reproach, he did fail to meet the First Timothy standard for an elder being above reproach here in this instance. Okay, so uh, I think what they're saying here is, is an important distinction that they've made. One, he violated the social media use policy, so that happened. Even though the overarching pattern of his life is above reproach, in this instant, he failed. So they're kind of making that distinction between, we're not, we, we don't see this necessarily as a pattern, it's just an instance that could be a, a indication of unhealth or something that needs to, that, that God still needs to work out in him. So we need some counseling, need some care, need some recovery, whatever the case, but it's not, it, it doesn't mean that he is uh, disqualified across the board. Also wanna point out that um, if it's true, that, and what they're saying, and I believe them, that he cooperated fully, all his emails, all his text messages, any technology he uses, um, that's, that's, that's really good. That's good that they were able to dig through all that and find what they needed to find. As Matt said, we're strong pro proponents of brothers and sister relationships. We believe in those because we believe the scriptures affirm those. It matters to us to fight for that in the best kind of way. But there are boundaries around what's appropriate in these kinds of friendships and a pastoral role requires greater awareness of those boundaries. In this case, the frequency and the familiarity of the messages crossed a line. They revealed that Matt did not use language appropriate for a pastor, and he did not model a behavior that we expect and that you expect a leader of our church to have. Okay, so 
Language appropriate for a pastor. Don't know what that means. Could mean cuss words. Could mean any number of things. Inappropriate jokes, whatever. Um, But I want to be clear that the elders believe that this behavior was not disqualifying of an elder, and it did not rise to a level that would warrant more severe discipline. The investigators of the report concluded that this was not a romantic relationship, and it was not a sexual relationship. So that's important. There was nothing romantic, not a sexual relationship, not a romantic relationship by an independent group. So I I think the confusion that a lot of people have is typically these things are sexual. Typically these things are romantic. So if that's not the case, and it's inappropriate jokes, what were those jokes? Maybe we're never going to know, but they are dealing with it. He has stepped down and this has been made public. I cannot emphasize enough how much this doesn't ever happen. <laughs> I mean, so many churches would not do this. They would they would try as hard as they can to appease the accusing party. They would say, look, uh, listen, everything's fine. Can, can we all just forget about this and move on? And they would try to keep everything on the up and up so that no one knows. And if, everything, if anything ever did come out, they would just put them on a three-month sabbatical like nothing happened. They would tell the church that, oh, don't worry about it. We just love this guy. And no one would be the wiser. Uh, They would probably just say, he's been in ministry for 20 years now. He's very tired. He's worked really hard. So he's going to go on a sabbatical. And you don't know that his life is falling apart. And the whole staff, they're all supposed to just cover for him. That's normal. This, this is good. Like this is actual accountability. And it almost never happens this way, especially in high profile churches like this. That's important. The report also confirmed this kind of direct messaging communication was a unique case. There were no other examples like it. The woman who Matt was messaging with did not request the independent investigation, but she did cooperate with the investigators and shared messages with them. Okay, so the, now, now this is the first time we're really hearing about the other woman and what she's had to say, because so far we've only heard what Matt and the elders say what the woman who talked to Matt that day has said, but now we're finally hearing kind of the side from the woman who was involved in the text messages. So she did not request the independent investigation, but she did uh, uh, cooperate with it. We're thankful for that. We're trying to keep certain information confidential because we do want to honor her desire not to be in the spotlight. It's also important for you to know that she's certainly free to speak if and when she chooses to do so. So while the elders believe... Okay, so that's important. We're not, we don't know her name because the, they want to protect her, but she's free to speak, she can do it, um, and they're not going to come after her if she does. And that's another thing that people have talked about. Well, we never get to hear from the other person. In this case, um, she can speak if she wants, and I think they would, if they're being honest, th- they would fully support that that this did not rise to the level of disqualification, we do hold elders to a higher standard because the scriptures hold elders to a higher standard. Matt's leave of absence is both disciplinary and developmental, which allows him time to focus on growing greater awareness in this area. He needs it. How long will that time be? The elders have laid out some expectations for Matt and will dictate the timeline for his return to the pulpit. The health of our church is our top priority and we're committed to assisting 
and development for care for everyone involved, including Matt. So he goes on to just basically mention uh, later that day they did a members meeting and you can contact the care department if you have questions. So that's the end of the statement. As I mentioned, there's been, there's been a lot of reactions to this. Uh, some on the side of people saying, this seems like overkill. If, it, if, if we're really hearing the whole story that he just was a little too chummy with somebody and they joked a little bit, does that really mean that he needs to be publicly shamed for it and lose his position for a while? Other people say we must not be hearing the whole story because otherwise they wouldn't be kicking him out if this was it. And other people are saying, and this is where I land, where I land is that here we have a situation where finally you have a high profile pastor whose elders and, and church leadership body finally says, we don't care how big of a deal you are. We don't care how many books you've written. We don't care how many conferences you speak at. And we don't care that you are our bread and butter. You are going to be held accountable for your actions. And so they're holding him accountable. And he had to stand up there and admit to what he did. And it seems like to a large amount of people, it's just not enough. Like what, 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 what else is supposed to happen? They looked into it. They, they did this investigation. They, they removed him from his position. I mean, at, at this point, they, again, they could have ignored this. I've seen this so many times where way worse happens way, way worse happens. And it's just pushed under the rug as long as they can. The victim is shamed. Nobody is the wiser, all to protect this one guy because everybody's livelihood depends on his success. That's what usually happens. And that's wrong, right? That's not okay. So here we have a situation where they actually are dealing with it the best they know how with as much humility as they can muster from him to everybody. Are they perfect? No. Could this have been done better? Possibly. But they did something and he's getting kicked out for a while. So can we just take a second and acknowledge that something good happened in the church? Okay. I, there's an article here from uh, Not The Bee. They kind of wrap up here some good things that happened. Okay. So to this point, he says some good things happened. Number one, the whistle blowing woman appears to have acted biblically in confronting Chandler. Chandler appears to have acted biblically in turning and submitting to the elders. The elders appear to have acted biblically in requiring Chandler to step aside for the time being. The congregation appears to have acted biblically in expressing love and concern for their minister. The lead minister replacing Chandler in the pulpit appears to have acted biblically in publicly praising and thanking the woman who courageously confronted Chandler, perhaps saving all parties, but most importantly, the name of Christ, for uh, far more serious shame. It is not my place to direct or even speculate about how all this will play out. Instead, I will pray for my brothers and sisters directly affected by this situation. Praise God for the wisdom of his word, the guidance of his spirit, and his unimaginable grace that is greater than all our sins. That's from Peter uh, Heck over at Not The Bee. The other thing I wanna mention is that the very first thing I saw was Sunday night, I saw this headline, somebody sent it to me, Christianity Today, Matt Chandler steps aside after inappropriate online relationship. Let me just say, most people just read headlines. They read headlines, they see that he's you know, you know, know, covering his face in shock and shame, and uh, all they see is inappropriate online relationship, woman, Matt Chandler, stepping aside, and it's just forever gonna, it's forever gonna 
taint his ministry. It's forever going to be a thing that he, uh, he's always going to be known in some circles as, and the story's going to get worse and worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's going to go from what it actually is to, you know, he was having an affair, whatever the case. So I just want to mention that for those of us in, in leadership positions, this is the risk we take all day long, every day of the week with any of our actions. So the first kind of lesson or the first application I want to draw from this is that it doesn't matter if you're Matt Chandler or if you're pastoring an obscure church that no one knows about or somewhere in between, every single one of us has to be on guard. There's two things he mentioned that the relationship, the messaging between them was unguarded and unwise. And I, I think the lesson there is just to say, what interactions am I having with women or men? What, what interactions am I having that are unguarded? Uh, what are the interactions that I'm having that I'm just, I'm letting my guard down and there's just too much familiarity. There's too, there's just too much. Maybe I'm just a little too accessible. It's unguarded. I'm not really taking care of the position that I'm in. And also what am I doing? What interactions am I having that are unwise? What would be, what would be foolish if I looked at it objectively? If I backed up and said, should someone in my position speak that way, behave that way, interact that way? The reason why that's so important is because something he said here was that because he was in the situation, he didn't really see anything wrong with it. This woman approaches him, says, I've got, I've got a concern about the way you're DMing my friend. And he was caught off guard. It was disorienting to him, he said. Because to him, that there, there, wasn't, there was nothing there. There was nothing, that, there was nothing inappropriate happening. But when he took a step back and looked at it objectively, he realized there's some things here that are unwise and unguarded, and I really do need to work on this. So the lesson for us, I mean, because the thing is, Matt Chandler is going to do his deal. The Village Church is going to do their deal. They're a massive church, so they have to be pretty public about it, and we all know about it, and we could speculate. But what's important, what's more important than that is to actually look into our own lives and our own ministries and see where, where are we unguarded and unwise and how can we live into the high calling that he talks about and that the New Testament talks about? So I'd love to hear from you what you think. Those are my thoughts. I think it's an unfortunate situation. I wish it hadn't happened. I wish that he could go back and maybe not have those text messages, DMs, but he did and it happened and here's, here we are. Um, my prayer for them is that he'll, he'll be restored to ministry that all parties involved will, um, will be taken care of through this process. Healing will happen, and the Village Church can go on into the next 10, 20 years you know, with, with him leading it, if, if the Lord would, would have him do that, and, and, and things can be okay for them. That's, that's my prayer. But for us, um, you can't control what Matt Chandler does and the Village Church does, but you can control uh, the, the next decision that you make in life and that I make in life. We, we, have, that, we have that control. So are we submitted to the Lord? Are we guarded and wise in ways that uh, our calling demands? That's what we want to think about today. Let me know in the comments what you think if you're watching here on YouTube. If you're listening on one of the major podcast players, thank you for listening. Be sure to leave a review if you uh, like the podcast. Be sure to go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. Pick up your free 21-day guide there. I will see you in the next episode real soon.